So let's just go before the Lord. Let's touch Almighty God. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord. And God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my words will fall short unless the anointing and the unction of Almighty God is behind them. Lord, we need the anointing of God to break through, Lord Jesus, that this church called New Hope would understand its calling and its place in these last days, Lord. Lord, I believe with all my heart, Lord God, that the church is the last stand, Lord Jesus, between failure this nation and being totally secular, Lord God. Father, I pray that people in this church called to this house, Lord God, would realize who they are in Christ, Lord Jesus, and that they have a calling. Father, bless it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, after all the years I've been pastoring, um, I'm really convinced that the true church of the Lord, and I hope I, you understand what I mean by that, that a lot of them still don't see what God wants us to see. And me being included at times. It's just the way it is. Now, do you remember the tabernacle in the wilderness? I, I can't remember. I did a message on it. Maybe I'll have to pull it out someday. Um, but there was like a tent in the wilderness. I can't remember the dimensions, but it had um, areas around it. And it and had a, the largest area. It was called the most outer court, or it was even called the profane place. It was huge. It would go all the way around it. And then another court inside. It, there were uh, linen curtains, the outer court. And then there was the inner court, and then there was the altar area, and then there was the tabernacle, and then you would go in the holy place, and then the very small where the presence of God was the most holy place. Remember that? And it was huge way out there, and it got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Because I believe that the majority of the church does not see the calling of God, what God wants you to do. It's a press to get to God. It really is. Because your flesh hates it. Absolutely hates it. The enemy hates it. He has a plan of destruction for people in the world. And he does not want you obeying Almighty God. He just doesn't. And so a lot of times we have dummied down everything in this world. Remember we preached on ice cream with all those names under ice cream. And they call it ice cream, but it's not ice cream. You eat it so long that you believe it is ice cream. And so everything has been dummy done. Absolutely everything, and the gospel has fallen into that. And the people of God now, who are supposed to be carrying this banner for Christ, I still don't know if we get it, if we don't understand your calling and your importance. The decay of our nation, now I've said this for years, the decay of our nation is not because of Democrats and Republicans and Congress and this and that and those voting and this voting and that voting. To me, the decay of our nation is the church's fault. It is. It's the church's fault because you are the light of the world. And if there is no light, darkness takes over. And you are called to be the light. So you've got to understand this. And I almost felt defeated over there trying to get us to understand this now in 2021. After almost 50 years of being in the ministry. But this is where somebody has to get this. Some church truly has to get this. Really. So, what's God's plan for a nation? When there seems to be utter chaos everywhere. Aren't we there? It's just utter chaos. It's utter madness. What does he do to remedy a generation that seems to be slipping and spinning out of control? What crazy thing are they going to come up with on Monday and tell us this is the new law? This is the way it is. It's insane. So what does God do in times like this? Look at Hosea 13.9. To me, this is so, so true. Just the first, what, six words. It says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Oh, my goodness. It's the church, Israel. You're a spiritual Jew. You've been grafted into the vine. God lays out this tremendous plan for victory. And we fail at it over and over because we refuse to obey or sense the calling of Almighty God. Do you still have that urging and longing that there's more? 
and just coming and sitting down and amen, kids leave, kids come back, VBS next year. Do it all over again. So Hosea says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. So what does God do in times like this? In times that we're in. People like you and I have been in these times in the past. Hundreds of years ago, 500 years ago, 50 years ago. Maybe the preacher somewhere saying, what's God going to do? And all through the word of God and all through history, God always rises up by person. He always rises up somebody. Always. Does not leave us to utter total chaos. God always uses a man or a woman that sees, not just attends, that sees. Listen, Psalm 65, 4 said this. Listen to this. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. It's God, Spirit of God, going through the sanctuary today. It says, blessed is the man whom the one God chooses for this, for this calling, for this stirring. Blessed is the one. I don't know about us American Christians. Maybe the finger of God's going around. We're more like trying to hide behind someone when the Word of God says, man, you are blessed if God chooses you. Which another word for that is happiness. It's happy. This is awesome. Serving God is what life's all about. Not soccer or baseball or pageants or whatever. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest. Listen, and causes to approach unto thee. Do you understand that? God causes a longing, a pulling, a drawing. He causes you to come unto him. Blessed is the one that God touches for that. Could it be us? Could it be new hope? Do you sense God's calling? Are you unsatisfied? Are you disturbed with what's going on? Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of the holy temple. To me, this is the last stand, the church. You are supposed to be getting it and understanding the wicked and evilness out there. You are the one called. How many war stories have we heard throughout the years? There was only 115 of us left, and we were told we could not give up this mountain. Thousands kept coming, waves after waves. But we held true stories. Waves after waves are coming of evil and filth. Ezekiel tells us, God says, and I sought for a man among them. God doesn't need us. Why he chooses to want us, I don't know. But he does. Through Ezekiel, he's saying, I'm seeking for a man, for a human, for a woman, for somebody, a church, a group of people to stand. Those that are sitting in the house of God this morning, I wonder how many see this or understand this. And I'm not talking about being special and you're so special. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about the call of God. Seeing the word for what it is and what it says. The Holy Ghost causes this man or woman draw closer and closer to God. It is when that touch comes. When God says, I'm going to place my holy hand, my heavy hand, my heavy kabod upon this church called New Hope. And that stirring and the weakness of the knees and the glory of God. And the ache inside to be used of God regardless of your age. Or the circumstances. Or how outnumbered we are. 
The Holy Ghost causes this man or woman to draw closer and closer. Of course, Matthew 5 tells us, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I mean, hunger is a powerful, powerful thing. I don't know if we've ever experienced being hungry. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For what? They shall be filled. They shall be filled. Now listen, this, is, this describes a, a profound hunger. Something you can't muster on your own. Something the flesh has no idea about. It's something you've got to ask Almighty God, God, I won't serve you if you don't help me. There's nothing good in us at all, the Bible says. Our hearts are desperately wicked. You're not sitting out there going, ooh, 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 pick me. We're not into that when it comes to serving God and doing what God wants us to do. Maybe the ridicule and the slander that might come our way for standing, being the last to stand for the cause. Didn't David said, what? what's everybody all undone for? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause this morning? Is there not a reason for some church? Amen. Some group of folks? So this, this describes a profound hunger that comes from God. It cannot be satisfied with a little snack. Something to tide you over. No. It's man-made religion. It's a longing that endures. And actually, you know what? It actually never comes to be satisfied on this side of glory. It's always a longing for more and more and more. I think we'll be married almost 52 years. If I go to Ruth and say, you know what? It's been 52 years. I don't have any more to give. No more love. See ya. It's a longing. You, you never get satisfied when God touches you and places his hand on you and starts to draw. No man come to Christ unless what? The Spirit of God draws him. Draws him. And God wants to tell you, I got more. Our problem is we plateau out. Every time we stream or from that desk right there on Wednesday night going through the summer just to give our children's ministry teachers a break, I always tell you what, go grab your mountain climbing boots. I don't tell you, go grab your tennis sneakers and your cute whatever. It's mountain climbing it's hard because your flesh hates it. The enemy can't stand it. The world is anti it. You could be the only one in your neighborhood putting on boots, meaning the prayer to go climb that mountain of God. Only one in your neighborhood. Everyone else is doing their thing. You're the only one. You start to look around. You feel stupid inside. You feel like mockery of that's what God's calling this. A profound hunger. Unless you're full of God. You're just like, you know what? I've had enough. I have indigestion. Does one hour a week fill you up with God? Is that enough for you, for us? One hour? So this wooing of the Spirit of God separates this man or this church from the pack. It just does. Oh, it'll make you a target. People will mock and yell, whatever. They call you these days, whatever it is. But that wooing of the Spirit of God separates you from the pack. Separation. It separates you. You cannot blend in. A city on the hilltop cannot be hid. It's light. It's got to be beaming. Acts 13, 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said unto me, Separate me, these two guys. 
He pinpoints them by name. Separate, set apart for some purpose is what this means. Barnabas and Saul, listen, for the work whereunto I have called them. Is not God no respecter of persons? If Barnabas and Saul has been called to a work, so have you. So have you and me. Yes. God's not going to send angels to fix our problem. He could. He absolutely could, but he doesn't. When the whole world was damned and on its way to hell, God sent Christ as a man. And he still does stuff like that today. Whether it's a church, whether it's a woman, whether it's a man, that's what God does. He's going to touch a man or a woman of God. He's going to set them apart for the work of Almighty God. Could it be this church? It has to be this church. Why else are we here? Look, there are two calls on a God-touched person. Two calls. Okay? A call to come out. Get out of that mess. Get out. A call to come out and a call to come up. Out and up. Not out and sit. Out and up. Now you have to make the choice. You do. This, it's always us making the choice. Your response to the call of coming out and coming up determines the intensity that God will use you. You come out, and God says, come up. You go, okay, how's this? Pretty good, I went up. <clears throat> Second Chronicles 6.17 tells us, or Corinthians tells us this, Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among the world. You have to work in the world. You have to make a living in the world. You've got to change the flat tower in the world. But you don't have to be of the world. Come out. This is from God. These are the people that see what I'm trying to tell you today. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, God says. And touch not the unclean thing. And then God says, then I will receive you. Come out and be separate. Stop mingling and touching that filthy stuff. And God says, I will receive you. Oh, absolutely. What man wants a wife that's been touched and had by every person in the state? Absolutely not. I want mine to be just mine. So does God. Be ye separate. That means you mark off boundaries. You know what? I used to do this. I don't do it anymore. I got touched by God. God filled me with the Spirit of God. I realized I was off in the uh, foul land, so God's giving me boundaries. It's not boundaries to keep me in. I can't have fun. It's boundaries to protect me from what's going on out there. And as you read God, and you start seeking God, and you feel these things in the Lord, you realize, no, I can't do that anymore. There were certain things that would feed me stuff that was actually sin in my life. Might not be in your life, but it wasn't mine. And God would say, uh, uh, and I have a choice. You know when you cross the boundary. And that's what that means to mark off from others by boundaries. And then your old time playmates come bouncing back around you, and you've got to say, Sorry, I don't do that anymore. No, I'm sorry, I can't. I used to. I know you don't understand, but I can't. This is what God's saying. Two calls. Come out. Come out from among them. Quit acting like them. 
Because when you do, the lost is watching, and you never know it, and they're going like this. Was that person, is it safe? Are they, I thought they were safe. I walked into, what is Donna's story here? Dollar General. Today, around 10 after 8, we had to have eggs. I forgot to buy them. I told Ruth I'll go and get them. I was like this. Never said anybody to anything in there who I was and what I do. Walked around and grabbed those eggs, set them on the counter, and a lady said, boy, not good for the preacher to be late. <laughs> never told her I was a preacher. Never said, here's my card. Nothing. Didn't wear New Hope shirts. But they know. people do watch. So God says, you got to come out. The majority of the church does not want to hear this. They don't want to see it. They choose not to. And then we're not used. We're not. So there's always a glorious promise for those who are willing to separate themselves from the world. Glorious promise. And that promise is, God said, I'll receive you. God says, I'll show up. I'll invite you to my place. God says, I'll come and visit. Maybe this morning, God could come and visit to a group that sees. But most don't. Most of us are playing out here in the most outer court. Remember, in all these courts, there's only one interest, and it pointed towards the east. Oh, it's so great to study. And you have this longing and this tugging to keep walking through the courts, but we're just out here playing whatever we play. Now, I'm not talking about the lost. They could care less about the courts. They'd steamroll it all over and never look back. I'm talking about those who are supposed to know and have the light of the world in them, or the light of God in them. How about Isaiah? Isaiah says this, Depart ye, depart ye, go out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean, they that bear the vessel of the Lord. That's you. If you are a true Christian, a real one, and the presence of God comes in you, you are now a vessel bearing the presence of God, the weighty presence, the glory of God, the kabod. God says, you can't be filthy. You can't be. No, you can't be. But you got to see this. Psalms 24, the psalmist says in verse 3, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Don't you want to go up there? I mean, you know, that's where I'm heading, mountain boots and climbing and it's hard. That's where we've got to go. We've got to go up that mountain. Psalmist says, okay, who shall ascend? Who's going? What's it take? It's a question from the psalmist. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. God says, you've got to come out. you got to come out. I always drank. I was drunk when I gave my heart to God. I was in a union fighting for our rights, literally fighting. Wildcat strike, closing down people with pickets, throwing the rocks, in the bar. Yeah, yeah. Went home, Ruth's weeping in a Bible study. And I walked right into it. That's how I gave my heart to God. Who shall ascend? So, initially down the months of my life, I wanted to drink. I liked drinking. Now, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God's on me. 
And there's boundaries. And I'm going, oh my gosh. I'm way out here. But Lord, I like this. I like, Lord, what am I going to? But Lord, I like this. Boundaries, presence of God, seeking God, reading the Bible, the struggle. And I finally said, God, if you help me, if you take this from me. Next thing I know, I was over here. So now, you get this booze in the house. Newly saved, fresh saved. I just simply thought, I'll give it to my dad. And I was gathering up, put it in a box. And then I remember again, the Lord said, what? And he he wanted me to destroy it. So he poured it down the drains. Then he went to my, my music, and I wasn't big and not a big music. I had some beginning of dark stuff. Music. And I just naturally, I remember taking them, I don't know, maybe this much, and putting them in the trash in the alley. I think I had just started Bible school. That was way back. And it went there. How's that, God? And it was like, huh. I had to go back out to the garbage can, grab them, and bust them. And then God says, come out. This is stuff he did in my life, in mine, and started placing those borders for my protection. This is stuff I believe the church of today doesn't see. Don't even think about seeing. Doesn't even look. They just don't. You just ask God, and I'm telling you, God will tell you. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. He shall receive the blessings of the Lord. So when you're like ready to make that journey... And you got that backpack on. There's going to be things in that backpack God's going to say, you can't carry that up the mountain. You can't take that up there. Not in my presence. You have to see this as a person of God. I can't legislate this. God told me red sin. All you got red on, come back next week without it. I can't legislate sin. There has to be a stirring and a longing and a, and a call of God inside of people. It just has to be. So in order for this to happen, it says, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. And in verse 7 says, lift up your hands, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. You know, the whole last week I've been driving. It's weird because you're, you're driving you're amongst so many people. They have no clue who you are. You have no clue who they are. And yet, just the last few weeks, I've just been looking at their faces. And I'm saying, Lord, look at that person. How do I reach that person? I can't reach them. Look at them. Look, over. look at them, Lord. Look at them. Now, I know what was God. God was wanting me to look at them. When you don't feel like climbing the mountain, then God says, look at them. Look. So in order for this to happen, in order for the king of the glory to come in, something else has to give. In order for that glory to come in, you must obey the great call of God. And that call is to go up. Come out and go up. The mountain of God. Go up. And talk to God. Meet with God. Listen to God. Get in the presence of God. Go out and up. You've got to see it. You've got to see this. 
Exodus 19 says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, they were finally out of the world. Egypt is a type of the world. The same day came they unto the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. There they were. God got them out of the world. Get out. Touch no unclean thing. No mixed marriages. Not come out. And out they came. And he marched them, obeying God. They park, sit down, and look, and there it is. The mountain of God. They're camped in front of it. Just like you are. And Moses, the leader, went up unto God. And the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of new hope, and tell the children of Israel. God gave a message to the people through Moses. That's what he did. A message regarding the purpose and destiny that he had for them. All the children you're raising... Who gave you those children? Amen. What's the Bible say? I knew them before I placed them in your womb. You think God is placing a rock star in your womb? A batting champ in your womb? So God is saying, this is the same purpose and destiny that we have just all these years later. It's our turn now. We're in front of the mountain. Do you hear it? Do you hear God? God intended for Israel to be a special treasure unto him. See that all through the word of God. A people with a, a unique, unique place in God's great plan. People of great worth, great value. That's you. He's picked you. I picked you. I picked you. You, 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 you. Come out. You, 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 you. Come on. Come on. You, you. And he brought all of us together and he's placed you, us, all new hope. And there's the mountain. We know Paul longed for Christians to know how great a treasure they were to God. He said this, he prayed that they would know that they are the, are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 1. See, when you think you're a big dummy, a big dope, you don't think God's going to call you. You don't think God has a purpose for God. me. What? God intended Israel to be a kingdom of priests. You guys, us, usins, where every believer comes before God themselves, every one of us, and everyone could represent God to this fallen world. The job you got, given to you by God, not to become God, it was given to you by God so that you can make a living, take care of your family, serve God, the talents and giftings that you have to do that job come from God so that you can be used to serve God in the realm that it says your giftings will what? They'll make room for you. You dump a bunch of lumber and nails and saws and all that stuff. You don't want me. All of a sudden through the crowd, comes Rob Montgomery and Bruce Gebhardt and you guys who can build things. And you just start going at it. You don't sit there and go, well, what are we going to do? You just start going at it. You start calling these things names. I don't even know what they are. Perlins. I still don't know what that is. Your gifting makes room. 
And God has all this for the purpose of going up, coming out, and now going up. All our young people just float and do nothing because they don't know about coming out and going up. Look at the history of our founding fathers. They were like 18, 21, dying for the country, putting their names on the bill. What? 18? Look at their ages. I think one of the Jacksons, Andrew, I don't know which one it was, was like, what, 14 or 15, and he was an ambassador somewhere. What? So the same calls goes out to you and I this morning. Come up and meet with God. Come up, or else, listen, or else you just have religion. Amen. You don't have the relationship. You just have religion. Exodus 24, 12, and I've used this on our Wednesday nights. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there. That's what the Lord says. That's what he's saying to you and I. Come up to the mountain, Moses, and be there. That mountain there, I forget it's somewhere in Tennessee. I forget where. That person on top of the mountain is Luke. That's what I get from his vacation. He sends me this. I said, what are you doing? Now, I think there was 10 or 12 that went. There's only one, maybe two up there. But that's what happens. Only some go. Only some go up this mountain. Not just Moses, but we are all called to climb this mountain for God. So it goes on and says, Exodus 24, he said, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, seventy of the elders of Israel. And he said, And worship ye afar off. Isn't that mysterious? The calls to all, but the Lord knows that some would only go about halfway. He knows that the majority would go maybe halfway, turn around and come back. It's too hard. It's too exhausting. Too great a cost. I want to play like those I see way down there in the outer court. Now, what's at stake is souls. It is. Souls. We're the last line of defense. They're going to come to shut the mouth of the pulpit, probably maybe this year. Facebook's already throwing you guys in jail, stopping this and stopping that, and that's the whole way our country hears news and stuff. The next will be the church. They've already did some things with the church already. Pastor in Houston had to gather up all his sermons and bring them to court. They wanted to go through one by one, looking for hate speech in Houston, Texas. Oh, yeah. That's why God's saying, you've got to come up. Exodus 20, verse 18 says, And all the people saw the thunderings and lightnings and the noise and, uh, of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. It's intimidating, that mountain. that's a 17-year-old boy on the top of that. Not a seasoned mountain climber. Exodus 24, 9 says, 
Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu. Do you remember who these people are? Aaron was the high priest. Nadab and Abihu was his sons, all working in the sanctuary, doing their duties as priests called to the ministry. That's what they are. The 70 elders, that's Daryl and Bruce and whoever we would anoint and top as elders. And come on, we're going up the mountain. We read over this like crazy. Look at verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. What? I say, um, Bruce and Daryl, Pastor Jason, our Adam, our youth pastor, our elders that help, our leaders, and come on, we're going up the mountain of God. And we go up the mountain of God. We're all going up, and they get up there, and they saw God. Is that what that says? And they saw the God of Israel. They saw him. They saw him. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven and his clearness. And all the nobles, Daryl and Bruce, and all the leaders that we've picked out here in our children's ministry of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God. the mountain of God. You'll see God. Bruce, what else you want to do in life? What is wrong with us? But the Lord only permits Moses to come all the way. Uh, this group. This is getting, gets more insane Two says, 24-2, Moses alone shall come near, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. Do you understand Almighty God is not playing favorites? He knows who's not into it. Amen. He knows whose heart is it. He knows he's not going to be moved. They saw God, the God of Israel. I would venture to say that Nadab and Abihu were the first to go back down. They weren't into it. They were doing church because it was uh, just church. They knew all the praise the Lord, praise the Lord. They knew all the amazing grace songs. Trimmed the candles, put the oil in. Unmoved. Uncommitted. But they were churchy. They had their ties and Bibles and whatever you want to. Probably were the first to go down. It says in Leviticus 10.1, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them in his censer and put fire therein and put incense therein and offering strange fire before the Lord. Unauthorized fire before the Lord. which he commanded them not. Unholy lives. Putting incense, doing this thing before the Lord, trimming the lamp, putting oil in, and probably a playboy in her stuck in her pocket. Or unholy lives. They were the, probably the first down. The Bible goes on and says, and there went out from the fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died that day, dropped dead. These are those who climbed so far up the mountain and saw him. They saw him. Seventy elders, they had to have the same issues. Stuff hidden in their hearts. Eventually they too made their way back down. 
he just walked up. The last would have been Aaron. Remember when the pressure came on Aaron? When Aaron had a good time to stand up to be a man of God like you and I right now? A woman of God and say, we're not moving. What did Aaron do? He caved. Give me your earrings. Give me your bracelets. And he melted it down and he made a fake God. He too went down. After seeing the God of Israel. After Aaron did that, what did they do? Well, and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings, bought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's what we want to do. That's what we do in the outer court. Play in, actually it's called the most profane place, the outer court. Most outer court, then the outer court. If you make your way through, your outer court, there's not as many people. There's still people frolicking around, and you're like, there's, there's got to be more to God. There's got to be more to church than just three songs. In a... So you keep pressing. But your friends and families and buddies. And... So all these people were called out and called up to climb the mountain of God. All of them saw God but they all went back. Where are you at in the mountain? You heading this way? Or are you heading this way? If you're going up, are you going to see me going down? Where are you at? Someone upset you, so you're going down. Okay, so here we go. We're getting to the end. Exodus 33 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart, and go up thence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. But I'm not going. And if I stand before Almighty, and I'm going to, and he says, I don't know what he's going to say, uh, nice, nice job down there, but I wasn't in it. Holy mackerel. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Lest I consume thee in the way, I used to always think, well, God, if I could just see you. They saw him. We need God to pull us. We need God to draw us. We need the touch of God. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on, his, on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, saying to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. God's wanting them up there, and God's telling them, You know what, you ain't coming up here with your ball glove. You ain't coming up here with your golf clubs on your shoulder. One got tea time. No, no. You strip yourself of that stuff. We're talking about the call. We're talking about being used of God. We're talking about the power of God. When you speak, there be so much clout in your words, so much heaviness of the Spirit of God that people break just listening to your words. You don't even have to know it. 
Moses didn't know his face shined. He come back down on the mountain of God. His face is shining, and you were all going, <gasps> he's like, what? I have sat with people in McDonald's having a Coke and a cheeseburger, and they've got all these problems, and I just say, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and I leave the conversation and go, and I think, I bounced off that guy's head. He could care less what I was saying. Bumped into him five years ago, and he was telling me, every time you said the Bible says, I didn't know it. I was eating french fries and a cheeseburger. So they did. They stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. The people displayed their repentance, mourning. You know what, God? Like you, if you're going to come up, I don't spend hardly any time with you. I used to. Some of you have boots that are somewhat worn out. You used to. You know, you can see the guys in new boots, and some of them are such so tattered that these tips usually become bare, and there's the piece of metal and steel-toed boots. And well, this, so they displayed the repentance in mourning by not wearing the ornaments. They knew this was no time for decorating the flesh. God's not interested in that stuff. Verse 7 goes on. Moses took the tabernacle, the tent we talked about, as the presence of the Lord. He pitched it without the camp. Here's the camp of us. The tabernacle is in the midst of us. God's chastising because he wants to use people like they've never been used before. So you think this is all horrible. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> It'd be tremendous. And God says, I'm not going to hang with people who don't get it. So they moved the tent, pitched it without the camp. You're the camp. Told Moses, pitch it here. Here comes your part. Moses took the tabernacle, pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of the congregation. That's us. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle, the congregation, which was without the camp. You're sitting and you're going, I can't stand this. I, I can't. I got I to gotta go. I got You get up and you go. You put down whatever you're doing. It's like coming to church. I've got to come to church. I got to. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. You had to do. You had to push yourself away. You know we're not playing soccer today. Nah, forget we're not going to the game. I'm not working that third job. Forget it. We're going. People don't see this. They don't. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear. Then we've got we to fix that. And the only way you fix it is you take all these ornaments off that have been getting in the way of God. See what God's going to do with you. And while you're breathing in his precious air today. What's that song? The air that I breathe. Giving you life and breath in your nostrils every second. Your heart beats. We don't even think of it. And God says, oh man, you are well equipped to climb. You can climb. You get on YouTube or you watch some of them old those nature shows and there's those certain goats or whatever they are and they run up the sheer cliffs. They run! Sheer cliffs! Because God made them with split hooves and have paddings and they can just grip every... Sheer! And they're just running up there like they're playing and the little one's behind them. Just... Because God equipped them! 
for it. And he equipped you too. Except yours has never been used. Or we don't get it, or we don't understand it, or we don't see it. You have to be willing to strip your ornaments. You have to, ornaments. You have to come out and start going up. And as you go up, God will say, you can't do it. And I would, when I got saved, first win was a filthy mouth. He just took it. I said, God, it comes natural. Every other word is a God. And when I would swear in the beginning days, it would echo in my head. Like, I'd go like this. Guys at work go, what's the matter with you? Sometimes I'd run to the men's room and say, God, I'm sorry. Then I'd go up some more. And then God got on the booze. Now, I don't mean you to laugh at this next thing. You got up some more, and God got on me about being Italian. I loved it. I fed off that. God says, no, no, you're a Christian. As you go up, you draw closer and closer to the light. God starts saying, okay, this got to go. That ornament got to go. So the Lord said to Moses, come up and be there. God expects you to be there. Plateaus, I mentioned that. Plateaus, a raised area with, with a level top. It's a place of stagnation. That's what it is. You're down there and you're sweating and trying to pray through and all things are going wrong. and You're just struggling and you're getting up here and you finally make it and you keep on walking and you find some of your friends. Sit down, put up a tent, a house, foundation, got a garden going. They love God, but they quit. They quit walking up. They stopped. And I had a dear friend do that. He said to me, what are you going to do? Sitting down at that McDonald's. I said, I'm going to keep going. He's still there. That's before this was built. It's over 20 years ago. He's still there. You plateau out. You just want to be pretty. You want to be popular. You want to be the sports jock. You want to have the prettiest home or the best garden or whatever. You just plateau out. I have fear of plateauing in God. I do. I can get into hammocks. Become stagnant. Not losing any ground, but you're not gaining any either. The devil's fine. He's like, well, you know, they, they just stay there. He doesn't know the plan of God, but the plan of God in your lives is probably to win multitudes, you know, or influence your whole uh, neighborhood. The enemy's like, fine, just let them stay right there. Don't let them take any more steps to God. I can't remember what, what was it, the tribe, was it Manasseh's tribe that refused to go over into the promised land? Promised land, God says, come on over. They're all going over, and they said, you know what, we, kinda, we like it right here. Let's just stay right here. Like, what? Promised land. Grapes, you've got to put on, flowing with milk, and there's so much, and God, eh, we like this little piece right here. Look it up. They stayed. Rod, take your band, please. Come back up here. The high calling of being in the band. That's a high, holy calling of God. Who knows what these guys, when they're young and they're picking on their guitars or whatever, and just probably half of them want to be in a rock group. That's what they, but God was preparing them for this. And they're singers. That has to be a gift from God. 
I have a mouth, I have a throat, I understand words, I can't sing. You can grab that microphone and just sing for the glory of God. It's a gift. That's a calling from God. It's not because you're cool. It's something God has chosen you and picked you out to lead this congregation into the presence of God. Maybe we need fresh oil. Remember my buddy Ron Holsher? A lot of you remember Ron Holsher? He's like my personal mechanic. Every time I moaned and complained about my car, he wouldn't say much. He'd just walk over, pop the hood, and I'm like, oh, no, I know what he's going to do. Grabs a dipstick, and he, and he, he need to change oil. He would go for it all. It was the lifeline, the blood to the motor. The oil, fresh oil, the Spirit of God, God the Holy Ghost. You long, you praying in tongues, being filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. So you can climb, so God could bring strength to those legs. You're well equipped, you're already equipped. Psalms 92.10 says, But my horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. you got to know you need oil to get the oil. So we have to break camp this morning. Some of you maybe never knew. Maybe you've never been brought to the mountain of God. Some of you halfway up. Some of you do. What are you doing? You're coming down. Twenty-nine, eleven. Psalm says this: The Lord will give strength unto His people. Those mountains can be intimidating. Oh my gosh! Especially even as I get older and my age and strength, I think, Lord. But is the word true or not? It says, the Lord will give strength unto his people. It doesn't say young people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. You don't have to be undone in this crazy age we're living. You're the last line of defense. Listen to this. Psalms 1833 says, he makes my feet like hinds feet. Just like those goats that skip over those. You're looking at that. It's impossible. God says you're equipped. You just have to believe me and do it. Get going. Break camp. Start climbing. Put those boots on. Wise, if you've got a husband that wants to climb and you hinder him, you're foolish. You're foolish. Husbands, if you have a wife that's ready to climb, knees all skinned, elbows all skinned, and you say, ah, let her do it, you're foolish. Habakkuk 3.19 says this, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. There are high places for you to walk upon. There are for you, no matter what's going on in your life. There are high places for you to scale. Because those of, in the world are down there and they're going, how is she? How can she still be happy? How they... It's going to be a witness. How are they walking up that... How are you going through all those circumstances? And then you tell them. You tell them how. It's the Lord. He has given me hind's feet. He has strengthened me. I've won to quit many times. Let's stand, please. We've been doing this long enough to know that <clears throat> different things can go on right now. You're like, man, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. 
I understand that. That's up to you and God. But here's a time where you can come to the altar and ask God. Lord, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. But I have sensed there's more. I've had this ache. I've had this sniff, this fragrance of something better. Haven't known what to do or where to turn or where to go. Well, this is it. This is it. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not giving you holy days to keep. I'm not giving you a list of 10 things. I'm telling you what God says. Everything I've given you is in here. And God has said, come out and come up. Don't come to me and say, Pastor, is it okay if I do? No, you come to Almighty. And you tell Almighty God, Lord, is it okay? And if he frowns on it, you'll know. If he puts his hand on you, you'll know. You'll have that feeling. You just cross the line, you feel like, you'll know. And then you have to decide. And then you've got to start climbing. Come out and go up for the sake of humanity that we're called for. You and I are called to stand in the gap between the living and the dead. You're called to be there. That's where your life is. That's where you are. The world is going crazy, but the church, the church is you. You must stand. They're all wrong. This is right. They're wrong. And you stand. Hind's feet. Sheer cliff. That's our all recall. Please come while the band plays. If you're not right with Christ, come down here and simply ask Him. If you're not right and you don't know what to do about it, raise your hand. Come talk to me. Come talk to Bruce. We'll get people to talk to you. Explain a little better even.